0: Well, we're going to have a rather radical change from what I was bringing to you in the Sunday school hour. Uh, That probably is uh, somewhat representative of how broad and how marvelous our God is because uh, He just uh, meets us in all areas of need as far as our life is concerned. I think I could say... Without fear of contradiction, that we are really living in a very interesting time, as far as our whole nation is concerned. I, I do get to do quite a bit of traveling along with my wife. We've been as far east as the Milwaukee area just a, two or three weeks ago. We've been, we've been to eastern Montana, and you know it's a long ways across Montana. Did you know that it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, and uh, but we loved it, uh, except we had a windstorm and I had rented a little Chevy Sonic. Don't do that, folks. I mean, that, I bounced all over, you know. My wife said, Please get off the road. So, thankfully, we got into Miles City and we saw the thing go over. So, anyway, uh, and we, we've been around a lot in Washington state. Uh, later on this year I'm going to be up in British Columbia. They don't worry about what we worry about. They've got worries of their own. And uh, so uh, I I do find, though, that uh, even among God's people, and not just God's people, there are people that are more concerned about our country than ever before. And so you start thinking, what uh, what can we do? Can we Can we get all involved and get all excited about these rallies and things like that? And a lot of people do. But uh, my great comfort is is that there is a God in heaven, and he's on the throne. And God has a plan. And uh, we can be sure that God will work all things after the counsel of his will. And so what is really important, that I be where God can use me. And you know when Isaiah prays in Isaiah chapter 1, he talks about all of the conditions as far as Israel was is concerned at that particular time. How that they ignored God. They actually defied God. Uh, he gets to the place where later on in that first chapter, he said, you're sick from the top of your head to the bottom of your foot as far as your thinking is concerned. That's, that's pretty bad. That's pretty total. But then he talks about a remnant. And that is something that's very wonderful. But he also comes to that place in Isaiah chapter 118 that I just think is so marvelous. It just shows you the great heart of God when he says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isn't that wonderful to know? The great heart of God. And uh, so to this morning, instead of being being, uh, negative and all of those things, I'd like to say that uh, we can be sure and we can have peace and we can have a sense of tranquility because of our great God. And the more we are where God wants us to be, the more powerful we can be. Now, I am you know, I'm I look around here. I have to tell you there's nobody here older than me, okay? I mean, just that's that's it. David, quit laughing. It's uh, this is serious, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, but my heart, I it 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 would be very easy just to sit back and take it easy and say, well, I've done my part. Uh, I've seen the things, uh, the cycles, and things like that. But my children, and my grandchildren, and my great grandchildren deserve to have someone who stood for things that were right and lift up the banner of righteousness so God can bless. They deserve something better than what would happen if I did nothing. And so by the grace of God, I want to do something. And it has to start with me. Me. It has to start with me. It has to start with you. Now, if you don't like to be challenged along these lines, you're free to go right now. But please don't. Because if you're going to have the blessing of God, if I'm going to have the blessing of God, I have to see what the Word of God has to say. There are many men, many, not just men, but many instances of God working in a marvelous way in Scripture in situations that look very, very bleak. I want you to know, Daniel's situation was pretty bleak. And yet we see that marvelous prayer in Daniel chapter 9, where he prayed, And God did not answer the prayer the way he thought, the way Daniel thought it would be answered. But God did answer that prayer. And we have been in, we just cannot measure how much God has blessed because of the answer to Daniel's prayer. We have been blessed. And Daniel was blessed as well. I love Isaiah, that great man of God, eloquent, probably part of the royal family. The name just indicates that he probably was part of the royal family. And he was grieved because of the death of Uzziah. We come to Isaiah chapter 6 and it says, I saw the whole Lord high and lifted up. There was a real, here is a man already that was walking with God, but he moved to a higher level. Do we dare ask God to move us to a closer walk with Him, to a higher level in our fellowship with Him? Can we be so brave as to say, oh God, let my heart be knit to the very heart of God. Folks, if we do that, the first thing that will happen is God will be glorified. And that's, that's that's the most important thing. But we're going to be blessed. And our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren are going to be blessed as well. Because there is a generational thing, isn't it, that goes on. I owe it to future generations to be everything for God that I possibly can. Well, I've chosen a man this morning. I call this Jacob's revival. Now, quite frankly, you look at Jacob and say, man, he needed revival. But the trouble is, when you start realizing Jacob, I see a lot of Jacob in me, a lot of Jacob in Tom Neiman. I'm not going to ask you to say amen because it's amen whether you say amen or not, because we we all need God's work in our life. Of all things, I have a program where I go through the Psalms every month and Proverbs along with my regular Bible reading. And and just to show you how God just sometimes just gets you, this particular Sunday, this particular day is the 25th. So I read the 25th Psalm, the 55th Psalm, and the 85th Psalm. And the 85th Psalm says this, wilt thou not revive us again? God knew I needed that today, didn't he? If I'm going to be speaking, my heart needs to be where it should be. It would be so wrong for me to speak to you if my heart was not where it should be. Could we just bow our heads a moment and ask God to speak to our hearts so that God can work in our hearts so that we can have all that God wants for us to have? Dear Father, you know our hearts. Thank you so much. These people are even gathered here. The very fact that they're gathered here demonstrates that they have a desire for you. And I feel a desire to please you. So I pray that in these few moments you might just guide us through your word and that you might abundantly bless in such a way that that we will leave here with our hearts knit to the very heart of God and that we will have the power of God not only for ourselves, but for those we love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be looking at several passages in the book of Genesis in order to really get a picture of what is going on here. But uh, I'm going to be looking, we're going to be looking, as I say, uh, at the book of, of Genesis. But I'd like to just start out and then we're going to back up. In Genesis chapter 32 and verse 1, we read, And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And Jacob saw them and he said, This is God's host. This is God's host. Whether Jacob realized it or not, Jacob was not alone. And this morning I would like to start with this blessed thought. We may feel like we are a minority, but we're not alone. I want you to know that the Lord of hosts is with us. God is with us. And with that in mind, let us proceed. I want to give you a little background as far as Jacob is concerned. First of all, uh, it may sound as though I'm being rather brutal and that's not my intent but if anything I'm trying to show you that as Jacob was how's this for grammar as Jacob was we is Okay. (laughs) I'm almost fearful of saying some of the things that I have to say this morning because it's convicting to me Many times Jacob had a far too casual relationship with God. Jacob's relationship was far too casual. There were too many other things that were important to him. And if you're going to have the power of God, where you end up being a prince with God, it cannot be casual, folks. It cannot be casual. You see, God was not primary in his thinking. He didn't always think about what would God think about this? How would God have me do? Uh, it, it, Jacob was really good at maneuvering and manipulating and things like that. And, and and quite frankly, he just acted as though God was not even in the picture too much at the time. Uh, he came to God when, when he was in trouble, but for the most part, it was a very casual relationship. His relationship with God as I said, there were crises and then he wanted God, but it was a crutch in case of emergency. I say all that to show you Jacob needed a revival. Jacob needed a revival. I feel he had a relationship with God. It was not where it should be, but but he needed a revival. God had allowed Jacob to prosper. Just because you have prospered doesn't mean everything's all right. In fact, sometimes our very prosperity lulls us into Thinking that we don't need God like we desperately need God, I mean, I love that hymn says, "I need Thee every hour." I do. I, 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 I did, We need Him. In fact, folks, this is one of the glories of getting older, really, because you know more that you need God. You don't have the strength you once did. Now, I, I don't know if you've noticed, I'm not real buff. Uh, there was a time I was proud of my muscles. You know, I mean, I, I grew up on a farm. I could lift bales with the best of them. I could shove loads with the best of them. And I would try to outwork everybody. I, you know, I was going to let anybody work, you know, outwork me. Uh, now I let them do it. You know? <laughs> I don't have any point to prove. <laughs> In fact, the point will be proved I can't do it. Uh, yeah, the physical. And, and quite frankly when you get older, people assume you're going to be forgetful. So I accommodate them. You know, it's just... <laughs> if you think I'm going to be forgetful, I'll accommodate you, yeah. Um, but there's one thing I must not do. I must not take for granted how good and how wonderful God has been to me. Next Sunday, my wife and I will be celebrating another wedding anniversary. Boy, that that's a gift of God, isn't it? I told someone just the other day she's known this all along but I, I, we did not have a long courtship and after I asked her to marry me I didn't want it long before the time I asked her along. I told her after we got married I said if I would, if you would not have married me I would have been a crotchety old bachelor I mean uh, and uh, so uh, I didn't want her to have too much time to have second thoughts about marrying me after, I, I had, after I'd asked her I mean, it took a lot of courage to ask her, you know. But, wow, Uh, I think about what God's done for me. This is is a boy that grew up on a farm in Iowa. I had all, I mean, here I'm a farm boy, and, and people from the big cities, they look at farm kids as being a little bit backward. And a little bit limited in their abilities to interact, I mean that's the, well, that's their perception. they're not right, and of course, we farm kids we had a, we had our ideas about the city kids too, you know, but anyway, uh so here I was grew up in the farm now that I had red hair, and everybody knows if you have red hair, you have yeah what? well, you do, that's right, that's the other part of that. but if you you're right, you're right, what else do you have? temporary. I, and that just makes me so mad every time. <laughs> I don't know. I like the way you laugh. But, yeah. But if God could take that and do what he's done for my wife and I, that has to be a gift from God, doesn't it? I mean, praise God. And then <clears throat> um But God had allowed Jacob to prosper. But just because God had allowed him to prosper didn't mean that he was right. It just shows you the grace of God and the mercy of God. Listen, if Tom Demon would have been hammered for everything he did wrong, I would be a miserable mess. I would be smashed. God is merciful. Amen? Yeah. He had worked very hard. He basically probably would have been ma- a man that today would have been considered a self-made man. He was a hard worker. We know he was. Uh, he did have this problem in the past, though, and that he was mama's boy, and that can be a problem sometime. Not, I was never mama's boy. Uh, there were too many children in our family. Never too many to be mama's, but so I didn't have that problem. But but Jacob was mama's boy, so he had that handicap. But uh, Jacob, as we watch him go through life, for some reason, he's never really comforted. He's never really comfortable in his environment. He's never really comfortable. And there's something else that happens to Jacob, and we're going to see why it happens. Jacob was cheated. He was cheated by Laban. He was cheated. (coughs) He was uh, despised by his brother, He was not really respected by his wives. He had a problem. Uh, He had a relationship with God, and we're going to look at this, but it could not have been close. It could not have been a heart-to-heart relationship. And folks, if you don't have a heart-to-heart relationship, listen carefully, you are a lonely person. You may have people all around you, but if you don't have a heart-to-heart relationship with God... In reality, you are a lonely person. You see, hees was the loneliness that only one who did not know true fellowship with God experiences. The joy and euphoria of just being heart to heart with God is such a delight. And knowing his presence. Uh, and, and his life had a certain amount of emptiness what is my life all about? What have I done? What have I really accomplished? Sure, I've got all kinds of sheep. I've got camels. I've got goats. I've got uh, cattle. I've got all of these things. What have I re- What do I really have? Well, come with me, if you would, back to Genesis chapter 25. And the first thing that we see concerning Jacob, as we start to draw all this together, we've asked the questions, and now we see a little bit of a background. Uh, we find that in verse 24... It tells us concerning the birth of Esau and Jacob, it says, and when her days that uh, his, his mother her days were to be delivered to be, uh, were were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau, and after that came his brother out. And his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare him. And in verses 27 through 34, the time has passed now, and Esau is hungry. And Jacob said, okay, I'll give you this pottage provided you give me the birthright. And Esau said, if I'm going to die, what good does the birthright do? So he gave it to him. Uh, that's his first manipul- manipulation. That's his sim- his first maneuvering, <clears throat> because you see, the first child <clears throat> in that particular culture always had a double portion. <clears throat> so, actually, the estate would have been divided into thirds, and the firstborn would have gotten two thirds, and the other one would have gotten one third. So he said, "I want I want uh, the two thirds," and so he maneuvered to get that. So that's the first thing he did. He w- he maneuvered. He was very very manipulative. But we also notice, come with me if you would to the 28th chapter and verses uh, 20... uh, Well, I'm sorry. I need to back up to the 27th chapter. We find in the 27th chapter uh, his mother helps him to deceive his father and his father gives him the blessing which means he's going to be the one who was actually the family representative and the family ruler and, and all of that. And uh, he deceives his father by doing that. But once again, you see the manipulating going on. Now, it's true, earlier, God had told his mother that Jacob the younger was going to be the one that was going to be in charge. But the trouble is, they didn't count on God to work that out. They took matters into their own hands. They were very manipulative. Now, (coughs) you don't have to answer this question, but you need to ask it of yourself. Are there times when I manipulate if there are times when I try to manipulate things for my own benefit, we have some of Jacob's problem, don't we? We have to deal with it. Come with me, if you would, to the 28th chapter. Because of what he had done, in that case, Jacob has to leave because Esau said, I'm going to kill Jacob. And his mother said to Jacob, you've got to get out of here. And and Isaac said, yes, you need to leave. So we come to the 28th chapter. And so uh, Jacob is out... Uh, out of his home, out of his area. And uh, in uh, in the early part of that uh, uh, 28th chapter, Jacob uh, is uh, reminding, for example, in uh, verse uh, 11 it said, "...and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took the stones of that place and put them for pillows." And lay down in that place to sleep. You know, I think I've had some pills like that, you know, that uh, <laughs> they're a little rocky at times, you know. But, but uh, anyways, so he does it. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set upon the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord, this is, this is the wonderful word there uh, in, in the Hebrew, it's Hashim. It, it's, it's so holy that they can't even pronounce it. All that word means is, in, in the Hebrew, is the name. You just can't even say it. If so so anyway, he said, And behold, the name the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest. To thee will I give it and to thy seed. By the way, who owned that land then? If he can give it, who owned it? That's good for us to keep in mind today, isn't it? Uh, it's an irrevocable thing that is going on here. And uh, thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and in thee and in thy seed shall all families of the earth be blessed. My, that's a wonderful, wonderful promise. And wow, if, if he would have just believed that and said, this is it, I'm going to go forward based on this promise. But <coughs> in verse 16, Jacob waked out of his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Come on down with me if you would to uh, verse 19. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And notice verse 20. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in His way, in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment upon me, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. What is this? You see how he's trying to negotiate with God. Seeing how he's trying to manipulate things with God? Uh, Verse 22. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and all of that uh, thou shalt give me, I will surely give uh, uh, the tenth unto thee. Quickly. Uh, I I just have to tell you that uh, he's, he's really trying to bargain with God. You see, regardless, though, there's something that's very fortifying and very encouraging here, and that is, is that, it's true that Jacob was a manipulator. He was always trying to negotiate and, and do things with God. I was pastor at Galilee Baptist Church. We had our own Christian school. We had uh, over 100 kids in the school. And occasionally, they had a line of uh, a, a chain where you went, if you were a problem, if you had a uh, if you had a discipline problem, the first one that took care of it was the teacher. If the teacher couldn't take care of it, then it went to the administrator or the principal. Then if that person didn't take care of it, where you, I mean, the last line the last person that uh, had to deal with it was the pastor. All right. Occasionally, I had like a junior boy or something like that, or a junior girl. Sometimes uh, that uh, the teacher couldn't uh, get them to understand the error of the ways, and the administrator couldn't do that, and so it ended up in my office. I couldn't believe it that there, some of them thought that they could manipulate, that they could manipulate and negotiate with me. You don't have any to negotiate. One time I had a parent that told me, we are not going to obey the dress code here. I said, okay, let's have the withdrawal papers. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of that right now. You just withdraw. and That's it. Said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't know you were going to do that. You see, she, she had no basis. There's times when we think we can negotiate with God. We don't have a right. It's God. And by the way, this is God's world. Did you know that? This is God's world. And he, he ultimately is in charge. So anyway, uh, we find that uh, Jacob felt like uh, he could uh, negotiate with God. Very quickly, we find that uh, in uh, chapter uh, 29, uh, Jacob goes to his, uh, to his mother's brother, and uh, uh, Laban is really a, a very, very despicable character, and he out-negotiated Jacob and gave him the wrong girl to be his wife. By the way, the wrong girl from Jacob's perspective, but I kind of think Leah was a right girl from God's perspective because who was the mother of the tribe of Judah? Leah. Who was he buried beside? Leah. <laughs> and Leah was just faithful to him all of his life. I mean, she outlived her sister. And uh, what, a, what, a, what a wonderful thing. But, but that's not the main point right here. But uh, we do need to understand that God's ways are higher than our ways, aren't they? Is what a wonderful thing! So we find that Jacob is—he de- is deceived by Laban, and uh, he ends up having to work an extra seven years in order to get the the woman that he really loved to be his wife. Then he works another six years in order to uh, have the. Um, cattle and the sheep and the goats and everything there's a really interesting little section there how this all worked out and uh, we find that uh, uh, things really became very tense and so it got to the place where he knew he was going to have to leave his father-in-law but the manner in which he left was typical Jacob he did it in a deceitful way we do not have to deceive to do right but Jacob did We don't have to manipulate to do right and let me tell you it is real easy to be manipulative it's easier to be manipulative than it is to not be manipulative i learned something as a young child that scared the daylights out of me you kids have heard this story how that my dad gave me an assignment and he said son you can go play ball with the church softball team. I was I was in seventh grade at the time. It meant I was going to sit on the bench the whole time. I know that. But I was going to be with the team. All right, I mean, this was really great. I was going to be able to be with the team. So they were going to pick me up. Some of the neighbor guys were going to pick me up. And so dad said, you've got to have the cow's milk and fed. You've got to have the uh, hogs fed and uh, watered and everything. You have to have the chickens fed and watered and the eggs picked up. And I was able to get the cows taken care of. I was able to get the chickens taken care of. And, man, I was working hard. And uh, I knew that if I got all that done, I could go in and have uh, the evening meal. Back there in the Midwest, we called it supper. All right? I mean that, I mean, that was supper. So I was getting ready to go in and have supper and getting all cleaned up. I mean, man, you'd have been proud of me. I had my hair all wetted down and everything and uh, ready to uh, go play softball that night. And I got in there and dad said, son, did you get all done that I told you? And I said, yeah. He said, you got the cows fed and milked? I said, yeah. You got the chickens uh, fed and watered and picked up the eggs? I said, yeah. Did you get the hogs uh, fed and watered? And you know something? I didn't even have to think twice. I said, yes, but I had not and my dad could hear those hogs squealing out there because they had not been fed and watered. You know, it was so easy for me to lie. It was easy. You know, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I suffered terrible consequences. First of all, dad said, you're not going to play softball tonight with the church team. That was crushing. Now that, I am a junior high boy, and he said, "cause of this, you're not going to have supper tonight. You know, boys can die if they don't have supper, you know. <laughs> but the bigger point is, it was easy to lie. You can do it so quickly, can't you? Nobody is shaking their head. But it was easy to lie, but it sure taught me the truth. It sure taught me a valuable lesson. I need to be very careful because it's easy. If you're not lying, it could be something else. It's easy to be manipulative. It's easy to do things that are wrong. Jacob was involved in the easy way. But Jacob ended up losing because of that. And oh, now he's in a lot of trouble. You see, his deceitfulness, he had deceived his father. He had been deceitful at several points along the way. By the way, the person that's deceitful is an easy person to deceive. I've been told that. I've been told as a result of people that are really involved in counseling ministries and things like that, that the people that are the easiest to steal from are the people that do the stealing themselves. They just, they fall for it. So his frequent deceit, deceitfulness led to his being deceived beyond his ability to comprehend. And by the way, later on, his own son deceived him and broke his heart. I don't know exactly how many years Joseph was down in Egypt, but I can tell you this. There was a man that lived with a broken heart every one of those years because they thought that a beloved son was dead. You see... He was vulnerable because of his own deception. Jacob was pretending with God. And as a result, he was also pretending with others. He was pretending to have a close relationship with God. He was pretending that the Lord was his God. By the way, when we reap, you will always reap more than what you plan on reaping. I wish I had time to give you illustrations of that that I have seen. But now, we find that Jacob has left Laban. Laban has pursued him. And uh, they've had that confrontation. And uh, we pick it up at that verse that I read earlier. We come to chapter 32. And now, I mean, he has to leave Laban. He's in a crisis. He's in a crunch. And by the way, by the way, When you do things that are wrong, like Jacob, it will always eventually lead to a crisis. It will always lead to a crisis. But the crisis can be the opportunity to get things right. Now, you could have gotten things right anywhere along the line. You could have confessed it and cleansed it anywhere along the line. But now we have this big crisis. He can't go back to where Laban lives. That's not going to work. But the last time he'd heard from his brother, his brother said, if I see that guy, I'm going to kill him. I've had people angry with me, but I don't think I've ever had people angry enough to say I want to kill him. I don't know anyway. But that is big, isn't it? I mean, this is a crisis. This is big. Jacob now faced this crisis. He knew that the relationship with Laban was destroyed. And again... Because of what had happened between he and Esau in the past, this he just did not know how this was going to be heard. So I want you to think about this a minute. The last time Esau would have seen Jacob, what would he have seen? He would have seen a very, very conspiring, devious individual who is always trying to work things out for his own benefit. Probably somewhat strong. The Bible indicates he was a plain man. Esau wasn't. But uh, uh, that's the last thing that Esau would have remembered as far as Jacob was concerned. Now watch this. God's going to do something with and to Jacob that's going to be very, very wonderful for Jacob. He's going to do something very wonderful for Jacob. Now... Now Jacob is really desperate because he knows that Esau is going to be coming to meet him and in the course of this whole uh episode he finds out that Esau has 400 men with him. That's that's enough to do battle, isn't it? I mean that's enough to wipe you out. <laughs> Jacob Jacob just just was really in a serious place. So here we find here in verse uh, 9 of Genesis chapter 32. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which said unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. Amen. So far everything he's saying is good, isn't it? That sounds good. Now in verse 10, I am not worthy the least of all the mercies and of the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant for with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. I have really been blessed. I'm not I'm not worthy of all of this. He's right. I'd say amen to that. He's not worthy of all that. And I passed over Jordan with just the staff, and now I am two bands. It's just been tremendously blessed. And so on, verse 11, he says, Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother and from the hand of Esau, for I fear him lest he will come and smite me and the mother and the children. Oh, 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 we've got something else here. When we do something that is contrary to the word of God, something that is contrary to the character of God, we do that, it is not only just affecting us, it affects others as well. I need to be very careful what I do Because it can affect my sons and my daughters. It can affect my grandchildren. It can affect now my great-grandchildren. I better be careful that my heart is knit to the heart of God so that my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren have the benefit of an example of one whose heart is knit to the heart of God. They have something to hang on to. Folks, they can't trust any politician in this country today. There I've gotten political. And I would be in despair if it were not for the fact that we have a sovereign God on the throne. Things may be askew in Washington, and they may be askew in uh, Olympia, which is our capital, and man, are they askew there. But I want you to know, folks, everything's all right at the throne of God. And that's our appeal, isn't it? (coughs) Praise God for that. So watch this. He is praying a wonderful prayer. And he nails it. He's exactly right. But what does he do after he gets through praying it? He takes things into his own hands again and says, I know what I'll do. I'm going to give Esau a whole bunch of camels, a whole bunch of goats, a whole bunch of sheep. And I'm going to line them out one by one and have them as long as they can be. And uh, he sees this big line of stuff coming. And and when he finds out that it's a present from his beloved brother, beloved brother Jacob, then he's going to say, oh man, isn't Jacob a nice guy? What's he doing? He's manipulating again, isn't he? He's trying to take things in his own hand. Listen, God could have worked this thing out. And by the way, God did work that thing out, but God had to do something to Jacob. I wish we could develop this even more, but for time's sake, I cannot. He worried because of what could happen to his wives and children. He's worried about what could happen as far as his servants are concerned. He's worried about all of these things. And it all comes back to being his responsibility. I mean, as husbands and as fathers and as grandfather, we are so... I mean, I I rented a car rather than take my car to Baker, Montana uh, a month ago because I'm responsible for my wife. And I don't want to take a chance at having her ride in a car that might not be safe. I am accountable. I'm accountable to God. I'm accountable to her. But I'm accountable and so I feel that responsibility. And Jacob was feeling that responsibility. And Jacob was getting squeezed big time. Do you see that? And folks, what does, what does God have to do? If we know, by the way, I talked about the fact that we know if we've got an area in our life that needs to be addressed. Amen? We know. We know. And if there is an area that needs to be addressed, get it settled sooner rather than later because the cost is going to be much higher later. Get it. There are so many parents who have children that have walked away from what they've been taught. And the parents, they're beyond being embarrassed because of what's happened. They're grieved because they know that God and his love and his justice is going to have to deal with it. And he will. He will deal with it. We've got a situation that we pray, Oh God, we know you're going to have to deal with it, but could you deal lovingly and mercifully in this situation to bring that person to where they should be? And and by the way, God is a loving God. He is a merciful God. I'm so thankful for that. So Jacob, Jacob, (laughs) Jacob, Jacob, He's really in a pressure point here. Could I pick it up at the 24th verse again for the sake of time? It says, And Jacob was left alone. We, we need to read the rest of that verse, I know. But folks, that's when things are really beginning to come together the way they should come together. When it's just me and God. When it's just you and God. Jacob was left alone. Oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. And we find here that it tells us, Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go for the daybreak. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto thee, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob... And he said, "Thy name shall no more shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God, with men, and hast prevailed." You know what? Jacob had gotten to that place where all of his scheming, all of his manipulating, all of his deception—I mean, it had it had all come collapsing in on him—and he was left alone. But aren't you glad he really wasn't alone because God was with him? I love this. And you know, it looks like like God injured him. It looks as though God did something terrible to him because he touched him. And from that point on, Jacob never walked straight again. He limped from there on. He was a broken man from there on. So when his brother sees him a few hours later, uh, a short time later, uh, when his brother sees him, he doesn't see that proud, uh, arrogant. He doesn't see that man. He sees a broken cripple. And I can't help but think that Esau was moved with compassion. He didn't see that man that was such an enemy to him. He sees a man and his heart is moved. And he comes and kisses him. God does something far better than Jacob could ever have done with all of his trying to buy him off and things like that. And now we have Jacob at the place where God said, What is your name? He said, Jacob, the supplanter. He said, You're not going to be Jacob any longer. You're going to be Israel because now here you were a rich pauper, but now you are going to be a prince with God. And folks, because he was a prince with God, he had power with God. And folks, we want the power of God. Amen? I mean, we've got to have the power of God as far as our lives are concerned. So we can't afford to allow anything in our lives that is contrary to the Word of God. We can't allow anything that would distract us from allowing God to work in our lives and from Him to be lifted up. And and by the way, can I tell you, God will do for you and through you far more than what you ever could have manipulated or massaged or anything like that. God is such a great God. And I want you to know today, folks, in our heart heart we come to that place where we want nothing. We want nothing deceitful. We want nothing of selfishness. We want nothing but God. We want Him to be priority as far as our life is concerned. If we come to that place, then God can do what God wants to do with you and for you and through you. And you can be a prince and have power with God. Oh, dear God, I pray that you would search our hearts so that we can be all for God. As I said, all across our country, I'm hearing people say, what's going on? What can we do? I'll tell you what we can do. If we have clusters of God-empowered people, it can be so powerful in our lives. It can be powerful for our country. But more than that, it can be powerful for God children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren will benefit because of that because God is lifted up and we can be that prince who has power with God hymn number uh, it's, it's search me O God uh, hymn number uh, 57 is a hymn that I'd like to have us look at and then we'll sing that last stanza together but I read those first three stanzas Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Savior, and know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be any, any wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. I praise thee, Lord, for cleansing me from sin. And that's something we have to look at. I need this in my life on a regular basis. I praise thee, Lord, for cleansing me from sin. Fulfill thy word and make me pure within. Fill me with fire where once I burned with shame. Grant my desire to magnify thy name. Lord, take my life and make it wholly thine. Fill my poor heart with thy great love divine. Take all my will, my passion, self, and pride. I now surrender, Lord, in me abide. Let's sing that last stanza together. It's a prayer. And acknowledging God's supremacy in our life. Oh, Holy Ghost, revival comes from Thee. Send a revival, start the work in me. Will our need For blessings now, O oh Lord, I humbly plead. Could we bow our heads just before we close? You know, sometimes when God speaks to our hearts, and, and you know I'm very careful about giving invitations, but. Sometimes we just need we just need to say, Lord, this is a meeting place that you've provided for me. This is a cross point in my life. And you've spoken to my heart through your word this morning. And I'm just praying that I will just be knit to the very heart of God and that everything, everything will be dealt with and cleansed and corrected in my life. And you'd like to just have me personally and privately praying for you, and I ask you to pray for me. But if God has spoken to your heart in a very significant and obvious way, and you'd like to let me know about it, please raise your hand and I will personally and privately pray for you. So if God has spoken to your heart, just raise your hand and and indicate that, that God is working. Yes, thank you. Are there others? Are there others? Yes, thank you. Thank you either others God has worked God has spoken to my heart dear Lord thank you so much and I just pray that we would benefit from the life of Jacob and I pray that the result with is that we would be those that God can say now you are a prince and you have power with God oh dear Lord grant that it may be so for we ask it in Jesus name Amen